This week's podcast is sponsored by Direction. Welcome to the Investing with IBD podcast. It's Wednesday, May 11th, 2022, and it's Justin Nielsen here along with Arusha Pires from O'Neill Global Advisors, portfolio manager over there. Uh, as he always does, he joins me every week. Thanks for being here again, Arusha. Always great to be here, Justin. And one of our favorite guests, Jim Ropel, is back in the house. Jim is a longtime follower of Bill O'Neill, and he has the his his own Capital Ropel Capital Management uh, that he's founded, and he does a lot of uh, teaching on the side, helping people kind of get in with the stocks, understanding how to do everything uh, from choose them, sell them, hold them, everything in between. Uh, so Jim is going to kind of share some of his insights with us today, specifically on risk management and the reminder that opportunities are coming. So welcome back to the show, Jim. Hey guys, how you doing? Okay. So uh, as always, we're going to start with the markets, then we're going to kind of get into our learning lesson. And I know it's a rough market, but we'll see if there's anything that's on Jim's radar. So why don't we go ahead and start with the NASDAQ? And Jim, things are getting ugly. Um, it's very ugly. And I, you know, this is really easy market. It was more <laughs> difficult last year when the AD mm -hmm. line peaked in whatever, February, March. And Breakouts were failing, like Snap failed three times. But that the leadership was getting thinner and thinner. The market was going up by these uh, mega caps, but I couldn't make money, and it was chop zone. This is easy. We're in a one-way elevator down, and it looks like it's going to get – I mean, we're short-covering rallies are imminent any minute, and they always are, but that's not going to sustain the rally. And, and to, until we get a major, major spike and put-to-call VIX – uh, you know, these secondary indicators, and they're not all going to, they're not all going to go. Okay. There'll be some that aren't going to trigger. You're not going to get every one of them to go, but we're going to need a real, real panic because, you know, the, the reason the VIX isn't up is not only are people not reaching for protection, they're buying. And I mean, in big size, uh -huh. that's why the VIX doesn't go up on the put to call. No, no one's, no one's buying insurance. It's so funny that you mentioned that because, yeah, I, I don't feel the panic. You know, well, first thing, yeah, it is an easy market. If, if you have, if you know how to read the markets, read charts and and actually listen to the market and cut your losses, this market is not that bad at all. It's been telling you to stay on the sidelines for a while. But, yeah, today we were down, what, two plus percent today, and it just felt like another another day you just don't feel that panic from from people people aren't calling you you know out of the blue saying what's going on with the market uh we almost need one of those circuit breaker type of events to to really show that hey this the the market is really now starting to feel worried so explain I, what you mean by circuit breaker there arusha yeah so with uh with the circuit breaker and this uh this uh, they, they instituted this a, a little while back but i i think it's seven percent uh, uh, the threshold for for the indexes, and we saw it a number of times a couple of years ago during the pandemic crash, right. where mm -hmm. yeah, the circuit breaker and the market stopped for 15 minutes, let everyone cool down, and then open <laughs> let up. Let everyone again. catch their breath. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we haven't had one of those. Um, and we almost we almost had it. Uh, I want to say like a week ago or so when we were, when we were down. Yeah, we were down six percent. Six percent at one point on so, the Nasdaq, though. Yes, on the on the Nasdaq. So. Um, even today, we're down that 3%, and, and it just feels still calm. 
So, mm-hmm. Jim, that that's really interesting that you're you're saying that because the markets are down quite a bit, but no one really seems to care. Well, it's and cordial. we were mentioning on IBD Live how uh, there was this huge inflow into the ARC, uh, the ARC funds, and it was like, what? Like, people are really still. I, do they still have that buy on the dip mentality? Uh, I mean, what, what what do you think is going on there, Jim? No question, they do. I mean, um, and these people are getting obliterated, and they're continuing to come back for more. Like they they still have hope. Mm-hmm. We need some type of like a mini crash, or I mean, I don't know what it's going to take, but it, it's it's like um, orderly. Yeah, it's it. You know, the volume, by the way, guys, we have not had a volume spike in prior to a week. I'm on vacation right now, so I haven't been monitoring everything super closely. But prior to last week, it was like five weeks in a row. I don't think we had a heavy volume day like it was just orderly. So what's it what's it going to take to get people to panic? Well, clearly more than a five, six percent down day. Clearly (laughs) more. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, well, I, a lot of times it's just time, right? It, it's kind of those fake outs. It's almost, and, and it's almost kind of what you were saying before, Jim, where last year was so tough because so choppy. You almost need another one of those kind of environments, but you're at the lows, just keep shaking people out because they're trying to buy in the dips. And then finally everyone gives up. So it just might mean need more time than anything right now. Because right right now, even though it keeps going down, people just keep trying to add to their positions. Well, and do you think part of it is also the, I guess, earlier in this year, um, you know, last year, again, the indexes were going up. The beginning of this year, the commodities and cyclicals, and there was this whole bifurcation where it's like, oh, if you're in the right stuff, you're, you're still seeing a lot of appreciation in your stocks. Uh, do you think that kind of made people feel like, oh, you just have to find where to put your money? Well, you had the oils and the commodities. Like, I think one of my favorite charts right now is wheat, W-E-A-T. It's a wheat future. We just but... put that on Swing Trader today. <laughs> oh, did we? Yeah. Um, well, I didn't see it. I was in golf school all day. Okay, okay. Um, but, yeah, like, I, I, yeah, we just need patience, and this is all going to – it's all going to work out Um I'm not answering your question. Ask me that question again. Well, basically, uh, again, we're talking about how there is this complacency. And again, there's, you know, a lot of people are just uh, still not panicking. And I'm just wondering if part of it was because at the beginning of the year, uh, we did have these areas where you could make money, the commodities, the, the cyclicals, the oil stocks, you know, all of that. People were making money still. Uh, and, and, and Or if they weren't making money, they were just watching other people make money and thinking, oh, I just, I'm in the wrong stuff. I just need to move, you know, move into the right stuff. So do you think that's an element of the complacency where they're just, um, I don't know, not. I'll tell you, I, I, I think we're maybe starting to see a little bit of a shift because everything's going down now. Right. Even oil, mm-hmm. oil was 130. It's now right about 100. It, it, and the oil, like Devon Energy, clearly a TML, kind of mm-hmm. broke a little bit. Um, and all okay gold's going down bonds are going down i mean how about everything's going down but the dollar which means that people are selling not to buy other assets or asset classes there's i think there's a mini mini liquidity crisis brewing otherwise something would be going up besides the dollar people aren't selling to buy other things they're buying they're selling to buy dollars so even though it's been orderly and i'm a little bit of a hypocrite here it's very scary yeah that only the dollar's rising um, 
you know, and there's some other things going on, like the currency markets. If you look at the yuan, and you look at the um, commercial paper market in China, which zero people are talking about the ETF, I think is KHYB. It is like 20 or 30 percent below the 2020 COVID crisis lows. Wow. Put up the w- weekly on this thing. It's, so if the market for commercial paper in China had seized up in 2020, what is it now? <laughs> I mean, it's like way below the lows. You guys, that is a if that happened in the United States, the financial system would just seize up. Yeah. And the the, the Japanese yen is ripping. I, I mean, down. <laughs> so I'm a I think the conditions right now are such that I've never seen this many problems. Now don't fret, okay? The golden goose of capitalism is going to straighten this out as long as socialism doesn't suffocate it by like Bernie and Elizabeth. But the free market solves problems and it does it because there's a financial incentive. So the supply chain, neon gas from steel to build semi or to make semiconductors, there's money to be made by solving these problems and they will be solved. So don't get too pessimistic. You know, in my ride the wave plan I do on Grill Stock Mentor, I, I give a market rating, a temperature, and normally, I always say I'm a five. I put it up one to a six just because I want to be an optimist. Well, right now, I'd be a zero, but you have to put a plus one. So I'm a one. Mm-hmm. Don't get too pessimistic. We have, we're down 30%. And I mean, remember 08, 09, we had the currency crisis. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Was it like 38% in 14 weeks? Well, we have a potent, you know, with the, the sanctions on Russia. It's really unknown right now, the ramifications. There'll be unforeseen implications to that, which it could be the reason the yuan is going up. You know, China's having a lot of problems. They import almost everything. Mm-hmm. And all their natural resources are going up to purchase. I don't know. So we've got a Thai bat currency crisis potentially brewing. The war, supply chain, uh, the Fed. Oh, hello, the Fed. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's yeah. that. <laughs> like, They're actually serious now. We've never seen a situation where this grand experiment of quantitative easing is being unraveled. And like all they've raised is 75 basis points total. Right. They've got a bloated balance sheet that's beyond comprehension. Like, I don't think they're going to get off these rate hikes. I absolutely do not. And let alone they're going to dump, what, 13 trillion or some gargantuan number of mortgages. Mm-hmm. There's zero chance in my look. That's my opinion. And I'll, I'll change my mind in three seconds. Right. If we have not a short covering rally, like we had the follow through day a while back, and it was driven by like, you know, Square and PayPal and short covering. If we have a follow through day and real new highs emerge, I'll turn in three seconds. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not so true. I'll test it very cautiously. But if that gets traction, if my probes get traction, I will go. I mean, when I would talk to Bill, He'd be like, you absolutely, he called me on a follow through day one time. He goes, what'd you buy? I go, uh, it looks like, it looks terrible, Bill. He's like, well, you, you have to buy something, buy some Bristol Myers. He, mm-hmm. he, you know, and it was actually working. And I think there was like a Skechers was working. This was a long time ago. So don't get too pessimistic. Let me just start with that. But the conditions are ripe for a situation like we've never seen. So I mm-hmm. think we are going to probably have some bounces, but we're going to go lower. That's it. You know, I'm telling the market where it's going now. So. <laughs> well, no, well, and, and I mean, and that's funny and all that, but uh, I mean, in the end, 
we're all looking at the charts we're and, and and we're listening to the markets and that's made all of this a lot easier because jim you you just nailed and and highlighted a number of different economic reasons why the market should go lower but that being said anyone who anyone who's not using charts they're not going to be able to navigate this crazy market right you know and, and you just look at charts like four 95 percent of people are just lost they don't have a clue right and even financial i mean i'm you know most financial advisors like you know they don't have a clue they're just asset allocating out right. and praying they don't get sued so who's watching the charts? Just, you know, trend followers. How many people go, I am ex primarily just a trend follower? Mm -hmm. Not that many. So no. yeah, people are getting, gonna get, how about all these people who were basically gamblers on like DraftKings who got a $2,000 stimulus check? Yep. <laughs> Those have gotta be the buy the dippers. The, the, these guys have gotta be purged out of the market. That is absolute gambling. Yeah. I mean, think about what they, how they drove the market. Yeah. We got to get all of these guys out. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll admit that I was I was in DraftKings last year, right? I tried it, but once it went against me, once I started seeing it break key trend lines, key moving averages, I was out, no questions asked, right? And let it prove itself again. And and I think that's the key, dude. You and me, and the, the, probably a lot of listeners, understand risk management. Like I would I would talk to Bill, and we would discuss millions of things, but like. Cutting your losses is job one. It's such a automatic. We never, ever once discussed it. Now, I talk about it on Girl Stock Mentor, and people are like, well, why would you sell it? Right. You know, it, it stopped going down and went right back up. I'm like, I don't care about that. I'm trying to save you from 70% down. Right. Okay. You know, you get whipsawed. Um, I, I could care less. One good leader will cover all that up. But mm -hmm. you take a drawdown of 70%, you're out. That's your, it'll take you years so I, I take a lot of flack in, in bull markets for cutting losses. Right. But the reason I do it, when the market topped in 2000, I didn't have a clue that we were going into the worst bear market I'd ever seen. But I stopped every, well, I climax rent, run out of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. The first two follow three days, I just stopped out of a, immediately everything. And it just, I didn't know it was going to blow up, but I'm, I'm just protecting for these crises. This isn't a crisis yet. But you never know when one's coming. I mean, you sure. get stopped out of all your stocks you, you test. Well, there's a reason. How bad is it going to get? Nobody knows. Mm -hmm. Job one, baby. Cut those losses. Yeah. Rookies. If you're not doing that, you're a rookie. And and if you didn't do any, you got caught in this, learn from it. Because while Jim caught, uh, didn't get caught in the 2000 bear market, I did. And that's how I, I lost a bunch of money. And I learned from it. And so then all these other bear markets, you know, I, I remember the 2000s, so I don't play around. You know, I, I don't let these uh, losses turn into portfolio destroying losses. Right. Well, now, Jim, there's this other side because I, I got out really good in 2000 as well. It was like, you know, this is when I thought, gosh, I, I just started in 97. Um, I, I had the late 90s. I was you know, doing pretty good. I mean, unfortunately, I didn't have that much money, but I got out great in 2000. I was looking at, you know, I sold JDSU, I think at like 109 and I watched that go to a dollar and I'm just patting myself on the back. How smart am I? But one of the other problems that you can run into is I kept on going in really heavy. Every time there was any whiff of a rally, I would go in really heavy back on margin so quickly. And I, 
by the time I got out in 2000 and 2003, the follow through day happened, I was down 50% just from, you know, and that's after getting out good. I just whittled away at it and lost so much on, on the way down because I was trying to go in too heavy so quick. And it just reminds me of how, okay, we had that Fed meeting where uh, in, the, in the press conference, Powell said, oh, you know what, 75 basis points is not something we're actively considering. And you, know, you had the rally and people are like, oh, you know, this is, you know, maybe this is all we needed. And then we rolled over and it was just another opportunity for people to, I guess, maybe have that hope dashed to a certain degree and another chance for people to not use risk management and get themselves in another area of trouble. So what what do you say to people like, you know, with these with these rallies that start and they don't work um, or for those people that are holding on to stuff for a long time and they're like, I can't sell it now because it's going to be the bottom. Uh, okay. What do you kind of give give advice to them uh, with with those stocks? If you're underwater and you're now you're hoping Okay, I don't care how much you're down. If you're down 50, 60, 70, 80, you're, you're, get out now. If you blew it, get out now. And beyond that, I want to go back to 2000. I wasn't smart. I wasn't lucky. I just follow a process that Bill put out. He expl- I'm not that smart. I just, I, if you have great process, if you follow Can Slim, just be robotic about it. I mean, there is a lot of art and finesse, mm-hmm. okay? But if you just follow the basics here, yep. process leads to success. You don't overthink this. You get down three, four, five percent of stock. Bl- give your stocks three percent. Everything fluctuates. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now it's not that good of a breakout if you're down three percent a day or three, two or three later. But process got me out. The climax runs, and I did exactly what you did, Justin. My hubris was rocking in, <laughs> right. in, in early two thousand. And the first two follow through days, I did buy them and my ego was ripping and I did get tagged, but I got out of everything that's down three, four, five, six percent. Yeah, it's pro- it's not brilliance. It's process mm-hmm. and it's not luck. It's mm-hmm. not luck. It's really discipline to follow the rules that Bill laid out for all of us. I'm yeah. not the Japanese had it right. Why invent anything when you have a guy who forget how much he's worth puts out this formula? You know, it works. Why copy? I mean, I'm sorry. Why innovate? When it's right here, mm-hmm. he wrote how many books spoke for 30 years. I mean, it's process and discipline to follow the process. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we'll, we'll definitely talk a little bit more about this, get into the risk management side of things. But we have to leave people with that sense of the opportunity that's coming. So we'll cover that when we are back. Stay tuned. Trading Apple, sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Welcome back to Investing with IBD. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires, who joins me every week. And our special guest returning, it's Jim Ropel. So, Jim, uh, let, let's get back to this question that we were talking about in the first segment here. Uh, again, you know, help help my 2000 self uh, or my 2001 self. Uh, you know, here, here I am. I've, I've, I've had a great a great year. I got out well and I just got sucked in with all these rallies. I, I, I got in too heavy. So what's what's helps people avoid getting too excited when it's too early? 
And, yeah. and we have had some of these. Uh, I mean, March, that was a nice rally in the end of the month, um, but ultimately it failed. So what, what do you do to prevent yourself from getting overboard on some of those? Number one, you do not have to be first to make a fortune. Okay. Now, I'm not saying don't testify. Definitely, definitely, modestly testify. <laughs> you know, you have to know yeah. what amount of total equity drawdown are you willing to risk to test a follow through day? Mine is probably like half a 1% mm-hmm. or may, may, maybe a percent. But um, number one, patience. Do not jump the gun. Don't go, oh, uh, call, what uh, Dutch brothers or whatever these phenomenal names are oh, yeah, right. 40% or 30% or Tesla's down 40, I think. Forget about it. You know, it's not, I'm not saying Tesla's going to go down a lot, but what if Tesla just goes dormant for five years? Mm-hmm. I don't know it will, but I don't know it won't. Mm-hmm. Let the market tell you. And how are you going to know the number one screen that like a divining rod right to the leader? Like in a bull market, the new high list is gold bars. In a bear market, the gold bar list or screen is relative stre- leading, leading RS. There, there, there's several names out there, which I don't have my list handy, but the lead, the relative strength, why aren't the institutions dumping those names? Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what stock was it that got the buyout this morning? It begins with S, S, Switch. Favorite. Yeah, Switch. switch. Mm-hmm. Well, why was that thing only down like, you know, in a, a, the, the worst group in the market, like, um, it's ranked like 180 or 90 out of 200. Yeah, 168. Right. All right. Okay, <laughs> that sucks 5% off the highs. Like, you think somebody might have known there was something cooking there? <laughs> yeah, it was a beautiful couple to handle it broke out of. And, uh, but yeah, the no, Yep. The no, institutions or people who understand the inside, now they may know we're in a bear, but maybe they're just not selling instead of buying it. Those RS lines, they lead you straight to the leaders. And when you get the follow through day, that's where you want to be. If the stocks are, if we have a major bear, the RS, the stocks will probably be off the new all time high. So you're going to have to do something. And that's what I would use. Well, and Jim, talk, talk a little bit about a routine because you, you mentioned before that, okay, you take a little bit of a break when you're in a bear market and, and do other things and kind of get your mind off of it. But you still have to have some kind of routine to stay in touch with the market because I know early on in my career what I did, once you had a bear market, I drift too far away. And now all of a sudden you get a follow today that ends up working and I'm scrambling trying to build my watch list. You, you need to, you, okay. <laughs> ja, ja, after cutting losses, you have to keep that high priority is sorting and screening and having that on paper you know, what you want to buy and if the market turns up. So you have to keep that buy list, fr- buy list fresh no matter what. You cannot get complacent or say it's just too ugly. Because right about the time, I'll tell you this, this market will bottom when you cannot see any solution. There will not be any solutions. The solutions will, the market will be discounting the solutions and they will only be known months after the real bottom is in. It will be in, in this case, with a war where maybe 75,000 people have already lost their lives and how many people are going to starve to death that wouldn't because of shortages of, of wheat and grain and sunflower oil, they're going to be horrific. Like with that kind of really, and I, I'm, I, I feel so sympathetic for those people, but it, and you're, you're going to want to say, oh my God, the world's coming to an end and we're going to have a monster follow through day. One of these days, it's going to, and it, I don't know if we bottom maybe today, 
or it could be, this theoretically could be nine months. It, you know, do you count from the dead high? Do you count from the day the advanced decline line topped? Do you count from the day that the leaders start to break? You know, what's your variable? I'll tell you, we've already been involved here for a while. This isn't new news. That's right. Um, mm-hmm. But I want to give you one more optimistic thing. I'm 57. I'll probably do this for another 30 years if, if I'm a, a lot, you know, able. That's going to be, I'll probably see between eight and 10 major bears between now and then. Okay. If there's 15 new true market leaders in every one of those bulls, new bulls, it's 150 opportunities to double your money, mm-hmm. to level up, to go from whatever, you know, first class to private jet, whatever it is. The, this is ugly. But we've seen wars. We've seen currency crises. We've seen Fed rate hike cycles. We just haven't seen them all together. Um, but this is going to end. Don't get too gloomy. Look, I fully expect to make just as much money performance-wise in the past, in the future, just like I did in the past. Whatever your track record's been, if you've been up 20% a year on average for whatever million years, that's going to continue. The golden goose of capitalism is going to birth more Blackberries, Starbucks, Apples, Teslas, innovators right now. They don't care about the bear market. They're in there with their microscopes and their software programs are cooking up the new stuff and they're going to need capital and they're going to come up. Now, the public market for IPOs is closed. It is closed. (laughs) Okay. And by the way, if you do see something come public, that is a probably a gem because no, for the institutions to pony up now it's gonna have to be super high quality so look for those but those entrepreneurs are not stopping okay bill told me a million times in the great depression was one of the greatest periods of innovation yeah now mm-hmm. i'm not predicting a depression i'm really not but i am predicting innovators as yeah. a matter of fact i think we're going to see a ramping accelerated um environment for patents and new in- innovation um, so don't get too negative. And if, if you've done well in the last 20, 30 years, just expect to do just as good in the future. Like mm-hmm. the, even if we have a period from like, you know, the sixties through the eight, you know, 1960 through 82, well, the Dow didn't break a thousand for like 22 years, but we had like four monster rallies in there. There's money to be made, even in secular, secular bears. There's, there's, there's cyclical there's bull markets in, in, in bear cycles that are really, you know, where you can make money. That's a lot of words. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it reminds me, um, you know, back in that 2001, 2002 market, uh, and we had we had two events um, in 2001 and 2002 uh, that there were like an economic conference that we had. Um, Bill got, uh, this was at the Reagan Library, and... Uh, it's interesting because I just went to the Reagan Library again a couple weekends ago. I hadn't been in 20 years since 2002. Uh, and he got all of these, you know, people thinking about, you know, what was going on with the economy and everything like that. Uh, we had Glenn Hubbard, who was on the Economic Council of Advisors for George W. Bush. We had W. Michael Cox, uh, who worked for the Fed in Dallas. And Cutler. his... Yeah, Cudlow, Larry Cudlow, he was there. Um, you know, we had the uh, the CEO of uh, Krispy Kreme Donuts, which was a, a big hit back then. But one of the things that struck me about the presentation that W. Michael Cox did, it was exactly as you said, Jim, the innovation. He talked about the innovation that happened during 
um, during depression, you know, and, you know, all of these inventions that came up uh, during those times and, and just phenomenal things. And also how, you know, things aren't as bad as you think a lot of times, you know, he was just talking about how the cost of living, you know, I mean, not the cost of living, the standard of living was so different. Like what we consider like, oh my gosh, this is so bad. It's like, we have air conditioning, we have refrigerators and VCRs and TVs, all of these things. That's kind of our standard, you know, and, um, you know, those were, that was like living like a king, you know, before. So, uh, yeah, I think there is a lot of reasons uh, to be optimistic in that innovation. But right now, if you're looking at your relative strength leaders, um, a lot of those are in defensive areas. Um, food, you know, uh, Mondelez, the makers of Oreos, uh, Tyson, you know, they just had uh, their their earnings report and, you know, th they've got a strong relative strength. Um, you've got some of the beverages, alcoholic uh, group members, uh, TAP, you know, Molson Coors, um, you know, this is where the strong relative strength names are. Are these the innovators? No, their institutions are hiding in those names. They, you know, by prospectus, their mutual funds are, and ETFs are obligated to be 90, 95% long because they're terrible market timers. So they, if they can't, they know we're in a bear trend. So they, they dump off their Cisco's and their whatever, and they, they can't leave. So they, and here's another thing, utilities are going down. Mm -hmm. That scares me, but, uh, no, they're not innovators, but, and it's a place to hide. You're not, there's no disruptive occurrences at Hershey's. Okay. <laughs> and, and, and speak, and Jim, speaking of newer companies, uh, a number of newer companies that, you know, we were all excited about the last couple of years, they've all reported earnings recently and, and yeah. now the cat's out of the bag, you know, companies like a, a Coinbase, right. Where they reported earnings and. They're 85% off their highs. They're 48% down this week. Uh, Unity Software. These are all stocks that I was very optimistic about. 47%, 85% off its highs. Um, and uh, an upstart, right? This one everyone was very excited about. 66% down, 66% this week. Yeah. Um, and I can't how... tell you how many people have said for upstart and all of these names that you just mentioned, Arusha, mm -hmm. hey, this has been the this this has got to be the bottom. Is it time to buy this now? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, over the last few months, right? On IBD Live, all the time. That's true. So, how, how do you avoid some of these? In, in addition to the stop losses, now, I mean, there was one indicate kind of one early kind of gauge you saw uh, early on in the earnings cycle that that might have given you a heads up on that maybe this earnings season wasn't uh going to be as great starting with netflix talk a little bit more about that just kind of noticing the environment changing oh you know i and netflix was kind of like one of the first major ones i think there was yeah. a few others before but that was a monster mm -hmm. and you know people are people go they say things like oh it's you know it's paypal it's netflix it can't go down and then they do and you know Basically, on Growth Stock Mentor, I'm like, you could put bear spreads on on all of these things into earnings. And, you know, you, you, you probably made money on seven out of ten. Yeah. You know, and when you get a major player, not some, you know, a smaller, newer name, kind of a key market stock that does that. The market's environment is tainted. And, on the, and so you really want to be super conservative there. But nobody should have been in Netflix. The stock was had topped well before. Right. But on the opposite right. side of things, many years ago, 
the market was rough and Amazon came out and blew the street. They had a great number and it just set, the, it changed the pace for the whole market. And off of Amazon's report, I went and changed my whole position uh, or th thoughts on the market. So earnings reports, the whole, how the season goes is critical for the trend. It's, it, it's probably going to be reinforcing a trend that's already in place. And and so what's what's your take on the earnings season so far? I mean, uh, it's a train wreck. <laughs> yeah, but I, I mean it, it, it's funny because in in some ways you know there's a lot of a lot of things where the numbers aren't as bad as as people expected. Um, guidance is sometimes a little rough, but the stocks are getting killed. Like even even I mean. I, I, there, there's, I mean, drops of, I, you just mentioned all of them, like 20%, 30% drops, even when um, overall, it doesn't seem like the numbers are that bad. So what's, what's, what's going on with the charts? Well, the charts, it all look, they all look terrible before, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you, if you're in a stock, my, I cut all my losses immediately, but once I'm in and I'm in a good profit, I'll watch a stock, I'll sit 20, 23% off the high. That's fine. But these stocks were way more than that. You know, what are you doing in those names? They're living below the 50 days. These are very basic rules here. You know, you have a stock living below the 50 for more than, you know, if unless it's tight, tight, tight right under it. In two weeks, more than four or five percent below the 50, more than 23 percent off the high is a. Th those are three major rules right there. Um, you know, if Bill was there, he would smack your hand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you bring up a good point here, Jim, because I was in Upstart back in November when they reported their earnings there, and it gapped down, and I was out immediately. You know, Dude, I, I, was in Roblox, I was in Unity. I was yep. in yep. Uh, Upstart. I, I thought Upstart was going to change the world. Me too. Yeah. They, well, didn't didn't they get the Amazon contract? Well, that was a firm. Or a, a firm. firm. Yeah, a firm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Another U stock. Like I thought. <laughs> How can these guys lose? Right. Mm -hmm. You know, when somebody concedes to, when Amazon concedes to somebody like Square or uh, Shopify, yep, that's like the golden blessing. Mm -hmm. And of course, Shopify is down eighty-two percent off its highs, right? But even it's, even but it's Shopify, like it can't go lower. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. it's amazing. Mm -hmm. So when we come back, we're going to take a look at maybe some of the stocks that could be that next cycle of innovation, um, some of the stocks that maybe have the stronger relative strength and see what, uh, see what Jim is looking at right now. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Trading Tesla. Sometimes you get the bear. Sometimes it gets you. Single stock daily leverage and inverse ETFs from Direction. Before investing, carefully consider a fund's objectives, risk, charges, and expenses contained in the prospectus at Direction.com. Read carefully. Okay, welcome back to Investing with IBD. It's Justin Nielsen here, along with Arusha Pires and our guest, Jim Ropel from Ropel Capital Management. So, Jim, uh, you, you had to go back inside. We had we had sirens going off as you were talking about all of these stocks that were plummeting. Uh, that, that was that was real sirens. That wasn't our sound effects. Uh, just for <laughs> just to drive the point home. Um, but let's talk a little bit about some of the stocks that are on your radar. And I mean, you're on vacation right now. So are, are you even watching anything or are you just oh, you um, routine? You know, mm -hmm. I always, always, always watch the open, the pre-market. I go through aggregated information that are presented to me in the morning. I watch the tape all, even in bear markets. I want to see the pre-market tape. I want to see what some good responses are to earnings from the night before or, 
Uh, and then I almost always am running a price and volume uh, screen up on volume screen 30 minutes into trading. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, this market is a nosedive, man. I mean, it, it just go to the pool. It, it, it's <laughs> so simple right now. Yeah, I mean, it's so funny you, you mentioned that, Jim, because you're on vacation, the market's bad, and it immediately makes me think of Jesse Livermore going <laughs> fishing when, when, when there's a bear market. Uh, mm -hmm. talk, talk, talk about that, you know, just how, how relaxing is that, or how important is that to take a little bit of a break? Well, there's two phrases. People say, well, what do you think of this? Or I would be looking at the situation, and I'd be like, um, what would Bill do? What would Bill do? Well, where would Livermore be? Would he be levered long or short? Mm -hmm. um, so those are, you want to answer a question? What would Bill do? This is mm -hmm. so simple. Read the book. It's like, mm -hmm. I mean. Um, but I, I will add that it's not necessarily being levered long or being short. Sometimes it's doing nothing. For you know, sure. Uh, th there's just sitting on your hands. Mm -hmm. Cash is a position. It, you, mm -hmm. If you, you have to be willing to sit. In, I sat out off the 2000 top for about a year and a half. Like I made very little trades. I was one of the larger commission generators at Morgan Stanley. Mm -hmm. And the year before, I think it was like ninth or 12th in the company. And the sales manager goes, so how much are you going to do in, in commission this year? And I go, I don't know. I'm all in cash. I might not do hardly any. He, he couldn't believe it. They don't care about that instant you know those brokerage firms they just want their fees they were in set they're like you got to get this cash out of money market um i'm beating up the brokers today <laughs> but you know they're not your friend okay they're on the opposite side of the table from you they're not interested in giving you they're trying to get as much as they can in fees without getting sued so they're never going to take a risk they're never going to deviate from the system they're just you're you're doomed to mediocrity when you diversify out all over the place, like with ETFs and all that. Now, and if you have a bear market, I just told, I just said, everything's going down. So your diversification is not working. Yeah. How about the, how about the, um, the barbell approach, 80, 20 stock mm -hmm. bonds. It is the worst start I've, I think ever in history. Yes. Those guys are getting obliterated. Yep. Mm -hmm. And I want to tell you, um, Leanne Cooperman spoke at the SALT conference five or six or seven years ago and he said buying a bond today is like standing in front of a steamroller to pick up a nickel mm -hmm. and guess what he was right yeah but you know what he was wrong on timing mm -hmm. so being right when the trend is not in your favor or it's the information early is wrong but it doesn't mean i on growth stack mentor often review the exact same charts over and over and over and over because I'm waiting for them to do something. Um, patience, consistency, and implementation. But uh, that was a gigantic tangent. <laughs> no, that's perfect. And, and, and Justin, I'm, I'm going to ask you a quick question, because you saw it firsthand during the 2000 bear market. What did Bill do with all that free time? <laughs> oh man! I, so for for those for those that thought it was like time for vacation for Bill, that's that's just not who he was. Uh, you know, in the office, he uh, he would come in with these stacks of yellow pads, and he just um, you know that's when he sat down and generated ideas. And um, during during that time period, uh, that's when the big picture was birthed. We had the market column. Um, 
you know, in there, but the big picture in its current um, format uh, was basically birthed during that bear market. The IBD 100 was birthed during that time. Uh, he was just coming up with ideas of, oh, the, the stock tables, the, the complete revamp of the stock tables, uh, the composite rating. Uh, like there was all of this stuff. The bear market was busy. You know, he, he wasn't in the market, but the man was not on vacation. He was doing a lot of stuff. So, yeah, he would come in with these big yellow pads um, filled with ideas. And, um, you know, he'd drop it off on my desk and say, OK, let's let's get to work. <laughs> There's a perfect, perfect example of an innovator yes. not caring about the slowdown. He's like, well, let's do this. That's exactly what the microbiologist and the software engineers are doing right now. You think that uh, AT&T doesn't want to speed up the internet? You think like they've just given up on that now? <laughs> Not happening. <laughs> what, what, what's the research and development budget for biotechnology this year? How many billions or tens or hundreds of billions? Or hundreds of billions. You think that's just not going to bear any fruit? Like, mm -hmm. that's it? <laughs> not for one second. Right. So let's go ahead and take a look at maybe some of the stocks or ETFs that have caught your attention as you're doing your screening right now. Anything come to mind? Yeah. Okay. This is by the time Jim Ropel is selling short or is this negative, we're very near a bottom. Okay. So take this with a grain of salt, but pull up TZA. I mean, this is scary what this looks like. Okay, so this is the, the triple leveraged of the Russell 2000 index, the inverse of triple the Russell 2000 index. <laughs> okay, what, is it, what do you see there, gentlemen? Looks like, nice a, looks like a nice breakout there. Yeah. I mean, this speaks for itself. Like, what if this goes up 7% in a day, that's a 21% decline in the index. Okay, that, that's serious stuff. That's mini crash. Look at SQQQ. Yep, another nice breakout. Okay, it's just getting started. Yep. Now there's overhead up the butt, but you kind of have to just. This is a different situation. Um, what's it going to? I mean, what would you expect on a breakout out of a cup and handle? Fifteen percent move. I mean, subtly, indexes move a lot slower, but yeah, I think that I've I am long some of this stuff. I, I and be very very careful. Because short covering rallies will mm -hmm. obliterate all your gains in two days. The most violent rallies in the market are short covering rallies because what they are is buying panics. They're stampedes. Mm -hmm. um, it's fear driven by the short sellers. So there's a lot to unpack here, okay? I'm negative. I'm now just looking at triple inverse short things. And we're pretty... Stochastics are fairly oversold. So I, I take this with a grain. I am I used to have some very big positions in this stuff, and I'm I'm mostly out. I have tiny little my total invested percentage of my hedge fund is it's probably like three percent or something. I'm ninety-seven percent cash, and part of it is short. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, well, yeah, I mean this is eleven percent fixed from that the high of that consolidation. So it's definitely extended. So the same rules apply. You know, whether you're buying a, a stock or a levered ET, inverse ETF, you have to manage your risk. This is a lot more dangerous. This is yes. far riskier than buying a normal breakout. You're triple levered up and you're in the face of a short covering rally. So caution. Right. Well, and it's worth mentioning that a lot of the 
a lot of the biggest days. So if you just take the NASDAQ and you take the top 10 days percentage-wise in the NASDAQ, you're going to find that they're all in 2001, 2002, 2008. Uh, we just added a couple in 2020, March of 2020, where you had days that were up. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I can't remember what it was, like 9% or something like that. But it was followed by a day that was down 12%. Uh, so it, that's just the nature of the beast. You get those rip-roaring days, and that's where, you know, everyone's like, oh, it's, you know, everything's good now. But the best days always come in those those worst bear markets. Well, think about a bear market. A real bears that are violent and deep generally have three legs down. Well, what happens in between the leg down? Big yeah. rallies. Yeah. Um, and also very important, it looks like we're starting the second leg down right now. Okay, so it's very plausible we'll have three. History would say that in the, it's it's not only in the cards. With the backdrop we have, I think it's likely. So if you get anybody out there listening to this loses money on this trade, call Arusha. <laughs> <laughs> well, well but Arusha was the one that did point out, hey, this is extended. Uh, so I'm going to back up Arusha out, here. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, you know, it, it almost gets back to what we were originally talking about at the beginning of this episode. When are these uh, uh, buy dippers, when are they going to get shaken out? It's probably going to be that third leg if we have one. You'll get another short covering rally, and then it's that kind of magic of threes where you fool, get fooled a couple of times, and then that third time, that's when everyone gives up. So where's Upstart going to be then? At the bottom <laughs> it won't be up. It'll be downstart at that point. Um, um, Justin, you said I sold a lot of those Climax runs in 2000, and you, you said you had or whatever, what it went to, in the single digits. Oh yeah, JDSU. I I, yeah. I remember having that. I think Corning was another one that I had. You know, GLW. Yeah, yeah GLD. I mean, you know, that thing was I, it that. was trading over over a hundred, and that thing went down below one. Yeah. Uh, think about all the IPOs that came out back then. That they were no earnings. They were valued on price to click or price to eyeball. Yeah. Right. Think mm -hmm. about how many software companies, enterprise software companies out there that have no earnings. Like I. I beat these guys up on my podcast all the time. Like another $1 billion market cap company with 30, 40% sales growth and no earnings. There's 30 of them or there's lots of them. They're going like the IPOs in 99 that went to zero SPACs, forget it. They're mostly going to zero. You know, there were so many signals that were fairly obvious, but the trend didn't break. Mm -hmm. So everybody yeah. wanted to continue to play. My, me personally, my hubris was running big from having a triple digit year the year before. And I saw the setups in the 99 comp snaps. But what I was missing was I did a, for the Napa Valley thing, I did a review of my trades. And I think the numbers where I stopped out at 29 to 34, that mm -hmm. was a signal. But the <laughs> market wouldn't break. Yeah. You know, I, I was negative on the general market and i just i mean i bought live nation the day i met you guys in the lobby remember that at the yeah, yeah. no and, and and let's talk a little bit more about that because we did when we were there in napa valley for the ibd founders club uh meeting or the annual event 
And this was in October. This was in October, uh, October of 2021. So six, mm-hmm. seven, six months ago or so. Uh, actually, longer than that. Uh, so Jim and I and uh, Scott St. Clair, Charles joined us. We did a webinar for MarketSmith. And Jim actually sent me a clip of what we were talking about, what Jim was uh, highlighting back then about his concern that we could be getting really close to a beginning of a bear market. Talk a little bit about that. Well, I asked a question to the group. By the way, if you haven't seen that video, it is one of the longest, <laughs> you know, market talk things. That was fun That's and incredible. crazy. Yeah. But I, I posed a question to the group. I said, can you think of a time that resembles this period right now in history? And everybody went dead quiet. Nobody. Yes. I go, are you afraid to answer the question? I go, it looks exact. I said, it looks eerily like the top in 2000. The market has become crazy thin, leading the indexes by like, 10 or 20 or 30 names. I go, it looks just like right now. And then I said, I'm not predicting anything. I said, but I don't care because I'm already defensive. The market mm-hmm. was, by that period of time, I, my, my, I was bloody around my eyes, you know? Um, but you guys got to post that little clip up. I, 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 I'll, I'll, I'll try and find something on Twitter. Yeah. We, uh, or, or, you know, you just find the link for the, yeah, the Smith webinar. Uh, but Jim, yeah. you know, you know, what was funny about that is because when we talked about it that next week or that literally the next week, we had a follow through day. We had a little bit of a rally it was pretty powerful, like a good five week rally where a number of these stocks had their last hurrah. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I know you were in it. I was definitely in it. And we just listened to the market kind of put what we were we were talking about that weekend to the side and then just went with the market until it pushed us out again. But the market AD line did not corroborate. Yep. It did not um, validate. Hmm. So I, I did go pretty heavily long in that. Um, so it's very difficult to ignore what I thought were legit breakouts. There was actually several that worked really well. Yeah, Roblox yeah. went on a great mm-hmm. run at that End point. phase. Well, and then you had the, the, the metaverse craze that was going on, right? Yeah. Uh, so Roblox. NVIDIA and, uh, you know, Microsoft and everything was kind of running into that. Yep. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Look, I, everyone's going to make mistakes. I make them all the time. The stop loss is your safety valve okay and money management position sizing look risk management is it's just job one and the biggest part of job one is cutting your losses if you the greatest guy in the world who over levers is going to go to zero but the point is the best professionals Druckenmiller, and miller soros paul tudor jones they all make mistakes they always do every year they make but they cut their losses that I've been doing this for 30 plus years. And you know, I, I had a rough year many, many years ago and I talked to my prime broker and I said, God, you know, I'm having a really bad year. I'm worried. And she goes, Jim, what are you worried about? I go, well, you know, I, I don't want to go out. She's like, Jim, you've already had eight or nine years of success. She goes, most hedge funds blow up in three years. Most. Okay. Paul Tudor Jones. What do they all have in common? Soros, Druckenmiller, PTJ, all the goats. They cut their losses when they're wrong. Mm-hmm. It's it's just like, and money management. Well, Druckenmiller says, I'm a pig. <laughs> but he still cuts his losses and he stays in liquid markets. When you're running tens of billions or hundreds of billions, 
you have to remain and that's money management. You don't ever want to be more than 5% or 10%, 5% of daily volume of any security, my limit. I don't want to get trapped. That's more money management. Mm-hmm. And, risk and, we're management. Wa- mm-hmm. and we're watching, uh, we're watching a number of, of people and we won't name names, but uh, we're watching a number of people who are very, very smart people who have a thesis and they refuse to admit that they're wrong. They're dogmatic. Yep. Look, you have, you must, must, must remain flexible. You, you know, Buffett lost back when $200 million was a lot. He lost 200 million on Southwest air. You know, our, the really famous female whose last name is begins with a W. If anybody would have just given her the most basic technical and if she read the big picture, if she just said, well, you know, if the market's below the 50 day, I should have cash, but she's a pure fundamentalist. You, the technicals must corroborate your fundamental view. I had unity and Roblox and all this stuff. I, I was wrong. And when I was wrong, I got out. Mm-hmm. You cannot be a, there's one super successful, nearly pure fundamentalist. And that was Michael Steinhardt. Okay. Outside of him, all of the goats, trend followers, every one of them, and they cut their losses. Yeah. And Steinhardt did too. But um, you got to have the corroboration of both technicals and fundamentals. And if I had to lean into one, I'd lean slightly more into the technicals because if a stock turns up and it just looks like under the hood terrible, well, if somebody's buying it for a reason, I would lean into that technicals maybe 55, 45. Mm-hmm. Well, and to your point on risk management, uh, and again, this is kind of something that you've been drumming uh, a lot in this in this session. It, it's not about being smart. I mean, you think of some of the some of the funds that were out there, Nobel laureates running them, and they misjudged their risk management. And John <laughs> Merriweather, yeah, it was it, they blew up. You know, uh, so, that's I mean, it happens over and over. That's a lot of hubris. Hubris is okay with risk management. Hubris with no risk management, you're going zero. No <laughs> right, yes. exactly. You know, Mark wild horses can stop me from shorting that. If I knew someone's psychological profile and they were loved <laughs> at 50 to one, oh my God, yeah. no chance. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, Jim, uh, we'll let you get back to your vacation. I'm sure uh, your, your wife probably wants to, you know, have, have dinner with you at some point here. So we thank you for taking the time uh, joining us and, uh, Hope you continue doing very well in your golf school. Thank you, my friends. Listen, everybody, this market is like a coiled spring. Just it's going like this. It's getting really, really tight. Now, I don't know if it's going to be a little reflexive comeback for it. We might have several of those, but eventually it's just going to bust wide open. Do not get too negative. The golden goose of capitalism is going to persevere and bring us all these great opportunities as long as it's not suffocated by socialism. So remain always always lean one notch optimistic whatever you are one more notch positive and that'll get you that'll keep you in the game mm-hmm. that's and it thank you for having me keep watching so yeah a uh, good note to end on thank you so much jim uh, uh, again your optimism is always uh 
appreciated when things are looking so bleak for a lot of people. So thanks for that. Uh, and on the ne- on the show next week, we are going to have Andrew Channon. Uh, he's going to be on. He's from Procure AM. So we'll be talking with him, and we hope you join us for that. And hopefully, we'll be finding some of those clips that we can share with you because it was a funny a funny show that uh, Arusha and Jim had on there. So uh, thanks for joining us this week. We'll see you next time. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you haven't already. We'd really appreciate it. You can also send us your questions and comments to investingpodcast at investors.com. We would love to hear from you and may use your comments on an upcoming episode. This podcast is for informational and educational purposes only, and nothing should be construed as a recommendation to buy, hold, or sell any securities make sure to consider consulting with your financial advisor before making any investment decisions.